Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Huh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. We could try to explain what it feels like to get your work done on a John Deere. The way a Z-Track mower finishes in half the time you thought it would. Or how much easier it is to move mountains of soil with a 1-Series tractor. We could even go into detail about how it feels to tow up to 4,000 pounds behind a Gator XUV. But if you really want to know what it's like to run with us, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. Hello, friends, and thanks for downloading another weekly episode of the Money Girl podcast. It's great to have you with me. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance author, speaker, and spokesperson who's been writing and hosting this show since 2008. My most recent publication, Debt-Free Blueprint, How to Get Out of Debt and Build a Financial Life You Love, is available as a paperback, ebook, or audiobook if you want to hear me narrate it. You can pick up the audiobook version at audible.com. This week, I want to talk about a common question that I receive, and it's how to choose the best investments. A lot of people really want to build wealth for the future, but they just don't want to lose any money in the process. And I was in Nashville this past week doing some podcast recording in a beautiful studio there with some folks that I'm working with at Tune In for an upcoming podcast series, and you'll learn more about that as I can share information with you. But many of the great folks that I was working with were like, Laura, let me ask you about this. Let me ask you about this. And one of the questions that came up was exactly how to choose investments. And I made the point that the reality is that not taking enough investment risk can actually be the riskiest move of all. So it's super important that you take enough risk because if you don't, you can fall short of your goals or run out of money during retirement. But the flip side of that coin is that you don't want to be too risky. So you want to take calculated investment risk. That's just an important part of your financial life. Without it, your money is just not going to grow fast enough to achieve your long-term goals. So these are for long-term goals like retirement. So if you're not sure which investments are going to create that security without subjecting you to too much risk... I realize it can be really difficult to get started. So in this podcast, I'm going to cut through the confusion and give you six do's and don'ts that will make it easy, easy, easy to invest with confidence. This is episode number 598, How to Choose the Best Investments, Six Do's and Don'ts to Follow. Okay, let's just get right into the do's and don'ts for choosing the best investments. So my first do is do invest small rather than not at all. But let me back up and say that before you do any investing, even a small amount of investing, your first financial priority should be to accumulate some amount of emergency savings. This is how you're going to avoid getting into trouble. Maybe you might have an unexpected large expense or you might lose your job or your business income. This happens to all of us. 
and we just have to be prepared for it. So ideally, everyone should have a minimum of three to six months worth of your living expenses tucked away in an FDIC-insured bank savings account. Now, if that amount just seems like ridiculously unattainable for you, I just want you to start small. Start by saving a reasonable amount. Maybe it's $250, $500, $1,000, some amount that you can just build on. Then you want to work on increasing your emergency savings at the same time that you invest for the future. And why am I saying do both at the same time? Well, in my opinion, getting into the habit of investing sooner rather than later is the secret to investment success. If you don't get started, you are just burning precious time. So first, you've got to get a little bit of emergency money behind you, and then you're going to start the process of both saving for emergencies and investing. The problem with starting late is that investors usually have to make some huge financial sacrifices to catch up and to accumulate enough money to reach their goals, or you're going to have to work a whole lot longer than you really want to. And it doesn't matter if you can only put away small amounts each month. Not getting started right now is a costly mistake. So if you've been putting off investing because you think you don't have enough money, to make a difference, well, think again, you do. Let me give you an example. If you can invest $500 a month for 20 years with an average 8% return, you're gonna have almost $300,000. But let's say you can't invest that much. If you invest only $150 a month for 40 years, so you do it a longer period of time and you have that same return, you would have $500,000. And if you could do double that, if you could do $300 a month for 40 years, you would have a million dollars to spend in retirement. So my point is that investing smaller amounts for longer periods of time can really pay off. So once you've got some emergency savings, the ideal amount to invest for retirement is at least 10 to 15% of your gross income. Consider investing a monthly obligation to yourself. Think of it like it's just a bill that you pay yourself each month that has a due date. And if you think that that amount is more investing and more saving than you can afford, what you have to do is start tracking your spending really carefully. Measuring your cash flow is the first step to freeing up more money that you can then put aside to create security for your future. Okay, my second tip is don't pick individual stocks. You've probably heard that you should invest in stocks, and a stock is simply an intangible asset that gives you a very small amount of ownership in a company, such as Apple or Johnson & Johnson. There are many advantages to investing in stocks. One is that you don't need much money to buy them when compared to other types of assets, such as buying real estate or businesses. Buying just one share of stock makes you an instant business owner without having to invest your life savings or take on all the risk. Although there's no guarantee that every stock will increase in value, since 1926, the average large stock has returned nearly 10% a year. So over the long term, no other type of common investment is going to perform better than stocks. So if you're investing for a long-term horizon with a long-term goal such as retirement, stocks are likely to give you that growth that you're going to need to achieve that goal. But let me back up and say 
there's a major downside to investing in individual stocks, and that's that prices can be volatile. You've seen the stock market go up and down, and what happens is the value of a stock can skyrocket or it can plummet in an instant as trading volume fluctuates due to things like breaking news, earnings forecasts for the company, or the company's quarterly financial statements. This is why stocks are one of the riskiest investments to own in the short term. So the dilemma is, how do you own stocks in order to achieve growth without the risk of buying individual stocks that are so risky? Well, keep listening. I'm going to talk about the importance of diversification next. The third tip is do choose diversified investment funds. So this is the trick to owning stocks while limiting their risk. It's to own many of them. And new investors are often surprised to learn that it is better to own more investments than less. This is a common strategy called diversification. So diversification allows you to earn higher average returns while reducing your risk because it's not likely that all your investments could drop in value at the exact same time. For instance, let's say you put your life savings into one technology stock and that stock tanks. Well, you're in trouble if you need that money. But if that stock only makes up a fraction of your portfolio, the loss is negligible. So having a mix of investments that respond differently to market conditions is really the key to smoothing out investment risk. But don't get me wrong, diversification is not a slam dunk. It's not a guarantee that you're going to make a killing with your investments. However, it does make it more likely that as some investments go down in value, others are going to go up. So how do you become diversified exactly? Well, the simple solution is to invest in funds instead of individual investments. And funds are a type of investment, and what they do is just bundle combinations of investments, such as bundling stocks, bonds, real estate, or other securities into like a package that you can buy and it's convenient for investors to buy. Funds have built-in diversification because they're already made up of many, many underlying investments. Some funds might focus on one asset class only, such as stocks, and others may have a mix of assets. So they could be stocks, bonds, and cash, or stocks and real estate. Every investor should own a stock-based fund, such as a stock mutual fund, a stock index fund, or a stock exchange-traded fund. These products are made up of hundreds or thousands of individual stocks, and that gives you very convenient, inexpensive, and baked-in diversification without having to own a million of your own investments and managing all of them. All right, back to our tips for investing. We're on number four, which is don't take too much risk. There's one rule of investing that you should always remember, and it is never expose your money to more risk than is absolutely necessary to accomplish your goals. While investing in a diversified stock fund helps cut risk, everyone's risk tolerance and financial goals are different. I like to think about investing as a scale that goes from extremely conservative on one end up to extremely risky on the other. So the conservative end is comprised of cash. So things like an FDIC-insured bank savings account or a certificate of deposit or CD. They're not going to earn you much, but your money is completely safe. 
As I previously mentioned, stocks are on the risky end of the scale. And in the middle, you've got investments such as bonds, which are loans made by an investor to a borrower, and a lot of other types of investments like real estate. The mix of stocks, bonds, cash, real estate, and other assets that you may choose is known as asset allocation. And it's a very powerful, important factor in the returns that you get for your investments. How you divide your money among different asset classes should depend on your risk tolerance and when you expect to spend the invested money. So let me give you a really easy way to approach your ideal allocation. It's a very simple formula. All you do is figure out how much stock you should own. So here's an easy shortcut. Subtract your age from 100 and use that number as the percentage of stock to own. For example, if you're 40, you might consider holding 60% of your portfolio in stocks. Now, if you tend to be a little bit more aggressive and you like more risk, you might want to subtract your age from 110 instead of from 100. So that would indicate 70% for stocks. But I'm going to tell you, this is just a rough guideline that you may decide to change. But I think it's a good starting point. And you can allocate your stock percentage to a variety of stock funds or put it all into one stock fund. The remaining amount would be in other asset classes, such as a bond fund, real estate, cash, etc. What's important to remember about asset allocation is that it should change over time. You want to take advantage of as much growth as possible when you're young. So in the early years, you want to invest mostly in stocks. So if you are somebody who's, you know, really wanting to grow your money and you've got like 40 years to go, you probably are going to want to have the majority of your portfolio in stocks. You've got plenty of time to recover from market losses that may occur. And over those 40 years, you're going to have a net gain over those losses. And by the time you move into retirement, you should own fewer stocks and have more in bonds and cash to preserve the wealth that you've worked so hard to accumulate over the decades. And if you want a super simple way to adjust your asset allocation, you can choose a type of fund that's called a target date or retirement fund. These are highly diversified, one-size-fits-all solutions, and they include a mix of asset classes. What's really special about these funds is that they automatically rebalance the ratio of risky and conservative investments over time, so you become less aggressive as you approach your desired retirement date. And you're going to know a target date fund because it typically includes a year in the name. So it might be called the Retirement 2030 Fund or a Target Date 2055 Fund. The date is supposed to match the year that you want to retire. And I got a question recently from Amy F., who says, I'm a big fan of your podcast. My last two jobs have offered targeted retirement funds in their 401k plans. They seem to have high expense ratios since they're managed, and I'm not sure how well they're growing. I've invested in them, but wonder if they're worth it. 
Amy, thanks so much for your question. Fees are definitely important. So if this particular fund is charging incredibly expensive fees compared to other options on your menu, you may want to consider changing. But I will say in a lot of cases, the convenience that you get from the targeted fund is worth it. Uh, Not having to kind of monitor what's going on and, and knowing that the allocation is going to be taken care of for you can be well worth it. It just depends on how involved you want to be with your portfolio. So I would say if it's a little bit more than other options, um, it might be well worth it. If it's much more expensive, then you may want to reconsider. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 10 years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Okay, number five is do invest through a tax-advantaged account. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I love tax-advantaged accounts. So now that you understand the importance of diversification and asset allocation when choosing investments, you might be wondering, well, where do you buy these investments? Where do you own them? So I'm going to tell you that if you've got a plan at work, that's the first place you need to go. So maybe it's a 401k or a 403b, maybe a 457 plan, depending on where you work, your choices in these types of plans are very easy because there is a pre-selected menu of investment options. The names of the funds are going to vary depending on the brokerage firm that your employer uses, such as Fidelity, Vanguard, or Merrill Lynch. There are lots of different investment companies. But funds are usually grouped together as stock or even growth funds and bonds or income funds. And you may also see a category called balanced funds, and those simply hold a combination of stocks and bonds. So let's say that you want to invest 80% in stocks. You're relatively young and, you know, you feel like you want to kind of swing for the fences. You could choose one or several stock funds that add up to 80% of your contribution. The remaining 20% could go into one or more bond funds, or as I just covered, you might choose one target date fund or retirement fund. Employer-sponsored plans make investing so easy because contributions are automatically deducted from your paycheck before you ever see them. Plus, they give you a lot of tax benefits that are going to save money. Additionally, many employers encourage you to participate by matching your retirement contributions, and that means they give you free money 
if you invest up to a certain amount, such as 3% of your salary. Now, if your job doesn't offer a retirement plan or you're self-employed, no problem. You can open an Individual Retirement Arrangement, or IRA. They also provide a menu of investment options or can suggest a portfolio based on your age and your stated risk tolerance. You can set up recurring deposits that transfer funds from your bank account. That's what I do every month to send funds from my bank account to my SEP IRA, which is a retirement account for the self-employed. Just remember that you don't want to put money into a retirement account that you might need. I mean, if you think that you're going to have to spend this money right away, it should not go in a retirement account. This is because you're typically charged a 10% early withdrawal penalty if you take money out of a retirement account before age 59 and a half. Now, Roth IRAs give you the most flexibility for withdrawals. And I've done some podcasts about Roth IRAs that go into a lot more detail. Um, But of course, it's wise to leave your Roth IRA untouched for as long as possible so you get maximum growth. And I got a question about this from Megan D, who says, I love listening to your show. It's helped break down lots of the financial world for me. You mentioned that it was possible to get locked out of your Roth IRA if you make too much money. Does locked out simply mean you cannot contribute or add money to the account? Or does it mean that you cannot roll it into another account? Is it closed until you reach a specific age to access the money? I am mostly curious. Thanks, Megan. It's good to be curious and ask questions. So what it means is that if you make too much money, you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. You can still have the account. It can still grow. You can roll it over if you want to into another Roth account, but it's just going to be somewhat frozen in terms of new contributions unless your income goes down below the annual threshold. So thank you for that question. And I got another question from Rosalva, who says, I listen to your podcast religiously and constantly tell my friends to listen as well. Thank you, Rosalva. I appreciate that. I've learned so much and would love to know if you could tell me if it's a good idea to opt for the Roth 401k rather than the traditional 401k when it is offered. I am inclined toward yes, considering the benefits of a Roth IRA, but I find myself a little doubtful. Yes, Rosalva, definitely consider a Roth 401k. The rules for a Roth 401k are a little different than a Roth IRA, but they're pretty similar. The main difference is that there is no income limit with the Roth 401k. So no matter how much you earn, you can always contribute to a Roth 401k. And you know, what I would recommend is contributing to both the Roth 401k and the traditional, maybe split your contributions 50-50 between both of them. That's actually what my husband does with his retirement account at work. And I got one more question from Jerry who says, safe investment for growth in a Roth. I am nearing retirement. Jerry, thank you. I mean, what I'm talking about in this podcast is exactly that. How do you get safe investment? And again, it's going to be looking at funds. Since you are nearing retirement, you're going to want to have less of your money in stocks. So again, use that formula that I told you. Subtract your age from 100, and then that amount is a guideline for how much stock you should own in a stock fund. 
All right, we have come to the last tip, which is a don't. Don't be afraid to ask for investing help. Just about every investment firm offers free advice. And unfortunately, studies show that a surprisingly low percentage of retirement plan participants take advantage of the offer for the help. So if you're not sure how to choose investments either at work or for a retirement plan that you manage on your own, don't be shy about asking for help. If you don't understand what options you have to invest in or an advisor recommends something and you don't understand it, push back and ask for more detail. Setting up your accounts and automating contributions is a powerful step in the right direction. I promise you, years from now when you've got savings and investments to fall back on to fund the lifestyle of your dreams, you're gonna be really glad that you took control of your financial future. So again, let's review. Number one, do invest small rather than not at all. Number two, don't pick individual stocks. Number three, do choose diversified investment funds. Number four, don't take too much risk. Number five, do invest through a tax-advantaged account. And number six, don't be afraid to ask for investment help. If you have a question or a comment, I would love to hear from you. Just call the voicemail line that we've set up. It's 302-364-0308 and leave your message 24-7. Money Girl is produced by the audio wizard Steve Rickyberg with editorial support from Karen Hertzberg. If you've been enjoying the podcast, We are serious about asking you to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It's really, really important to us, and it's a great way to give back and show your support. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes that are always available at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.